0: Hi there, and welcome to the Entrepreneurs Therapist Podcast. I'm your host, Shula Meet Berlev Tove. You can call me Shula for short, and my pronouns are she and hers. This is the podcast for business owners, solopreneurs, micropreneurs, freelancers, and self-employed folks who want support for riding the emotional roller coaster of running a business. This podcast is being recorded on lands stewarded for 10,000 years and to this day, by the Algonquin Anishinaabe Nation. Land acknowledgements are calls to action from Canada's Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And this is your call to action to find out whose land you are on and share that information with others and take what other actions you can toward reconciliation because the settler colonial project is ongoing to this day. I'm the entrepreneur's therapist because I'm passionate about addressing and mitigating the entrepreneurial health crisis in an era of relentless stressors that can make you want to lose your crap on the daily, I do this by supporting individual women entrepreneurs to care for their mental and emotional well being. And I also speak and teach about the missing piece in our business foundations mental health through keynote speaking and educational workshops. Today, I'm talking about scarcity and abundance. Information about so-called scarcity mentality, a a term that was apparently coined by Stephen Covey, is all over the internet, in the self-help section at the bookstore, and it shows up in coaching and in classes as well. A scarcity mindset is often described as a belief that there's simply not enough to go around, or a focus on lack, or living from a limited source. People with a scarcity mentality Tend to see everything in terms of win lose, says Covey. There's only so much, and if someone else has it, that means there will be less for me. So, Stephen Covey apparently uh, said these things. You know how it goes on the internet. uh, Quotes are sometimes misattributed. But it makes clear what the idea is. And there are many, many opinions about scarcity mentality. So, I wonder if you recognize any of these. It's all in your head, it's just your fear talking. It's low vibe. And if you keep thinking this way, you'll stay trapped in scarcity. Scarcity thinking is a result of your core beliefs. Any of those things sound familiar? Have you heard them before? And I'll list some of the cures that I found recommended for this so-called scarcity mindset. Well, you just have to change your thinking to be more positive. You have to believe that there's enough to go around. Stop grasping for more and focus on what you have. Another one is surround yourself with people who have an abundance mindset. People are often encouraged to choose or create a positive money mantra and keep repeating it. Uh, one of the things that I found that struck me is kind of like touching and sweet, but also not necessarily so practical is to step in and out of running water. Also recommended is repeatedly listening to songs about having a lot of money, and you'll be blessed with cash. These two last ones both came from very well known manifestation coaches. So, I mean, none of these things are necessarily wrong, but they're not going to be enough on their own. And you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be able to exercise influence over your earning capacity or your money. Certainly, this is what I want for myself. And these cures or the thought that there can be a cure is empowering. But the issue is that while the idea of control can feel empowering, the corollary, you know, the flip side to individual control is that if you're not experiencing, an, uh, experiencing abundance and the experience of abundance is in your control, then it's your fault when you're not. Because you're not listening to enough songs or you need to choose to see more opportunities. You need to pray harder. You need to step in and out of running water more frequently. And like I said, I'm not against any of these tactics. And whether or not they will work is a question of nuance. For just one example, the more we train ourselves to see or think in a certain way, the more likely we are to experience a shift in that direction. And, but, we can't bypass our body's survival instincts and the specific psychology that accompanies that survival imperative. So, in quotation marks, a scarcity mindset is a belief that there's simply not enough to go around, but that belief, as with all beliefs, has its origins in experience. In quotation marks, someone with a scarcity mindset focuses on the lack of things. But for humans whose nervous systems are focused on survival, focusing on what we don't have and need to get is a survival issue that can quite quite rightly elicit anxiety or even fear quotation marks. A scarcity mindset can hold you back because you don't see the endless opportunities around you. But much scarcity mindset advice treats the mindset and related behaviors as if they're choices. But in many cases, we literally can't see them because of the effect of scarcity, of how scarcity impacts our perception. Entrepreneurs, especially in startups and micro businesses, find themselves faced with limited cash flow—in other words, actual literal scarcity—and find themselves in a fight-flight response. And that's quite normal. Scarcity feels like a survival issue, and it is. It's important to not to acknowledge that access to privilege, which means scarcity, is less present in your life makes it easier for you to use these mindset techniques because your mind isn't working under the influence of scarcity psychology. And access to privilege also shapes your success. So it has a double impact on scarcity. It's also important to note that we live in a society that evokes scarcity and anxiety in us, even when our personal financial situations are fine, our own individual personal personal or business financial situations are fine. Our economic system encourages and is based on competition. And the very experience of competition is based on the idea of scarcity, of there not being enough. And the winner takes the spoils, right? Extractivism and capitalism are focused on profit and money over everything, including humans. So that puts us in a state of threat as well. And so the human brain's inevitable response to threats to survival is to engage the sympathetic nervous system and the range of threat responses that include, but aren't limited to, the fight-flight response. So what is the scarcity mentality and how does it develop? Conditions of scarcity in, for example, money, time, love, or any other resource these conditions of scarcity produce their own psychology and infect your, affect your thinking and your behavior. Growing up in poverty, that's material scarcity, is linked with behavioral and mental health issues. Being raised in scarcity literally changes your brain. Experiencing lack of any kind food, housing, income, time, love in childhood or as an adult can be traumatizing. And so it's important to recognize that if that was your experience positive thinking or abundance mantras or any of those things alone will not be sufficient to support you in shifting your so-called money mindset and so in that those cases trauma therapy is really the key to unlocking uh the door that opens onto the path of developing a more abundant point of view or we might say mindset. So as I said, scarcity itself has an impact on the way we think, feel, act, and believe. It's called scarcity psychology. So even if you aren't a trauma survivor, conditions of scarcity produce their own psychology. They have their own unique impact on you. So even if you haven't experienced a time when your basic survival needs weren't met, Conditions of scarcity will still produce their own psychology and affect your behavior. Scarcity in this case means scarcity of any resource, but it also includes the perception that there isn't enough of something, as well as the lived experience of lack. The brain reacts to both. So it's important to note that comparison, as I mentioned above, um, like the kind that we can experience through social media, can also evoke a scarcity mindset or scarcity psychology. Because comparison is a behavior that arose from early survival needs. We needed to determine whether or not we belong to a group because survival depended on community membership. Comparison is a cognitive process that happens almost automatically, and it's so exploited in sales psychology. When you have a sense that all these people have something and you don't, it evokes that scarcity mentality, making you feel uneasy and anxious. And those uneasy and anxious feelings can lead to certain behaviors. And it, it seems that scarcity does the same thing as trauma does. It elicits the fight, flight, freeze, appease behaviors. So scarcity is actually a real thing. It's not just a mindset. Scarcity, as I've said, evokes fear because it's a survival issue. The fear is here for a reason. It's to tell us to pay attention to something. It's also true that scarcity psychology can be a trap. Scarcity perpetuates scarcity because of the characteristic behavior it elicits. So let's talk about how scarcity affects the mind. As I've said, scarcity is read like a threat by your body and nervous system. So when a threat is perceived, the body-mind's threat response system is activated. This is beneficial because we need to be mobilized in order to be able to respond. But the problem arises either when you never get to rest between mobilizations, which leads to burnout, or your nervous system becomes too mobilized and you flip your lid. When you flip your lid, cortical function is inhibited. All the energy available to your brain and body is focused on survival and your CEO self, your thinking capacity is less accessible. You're uh, the part of the brain that supports creative problem solving, taking in and synthesizing new information uh, that helps us focus, helps us make decisions, helps us collaborate with others. Uh, energy is not directed in that direction. our body's budget energy budget is being directed towards survival. And so your cognitive capacity is le- is diminished and so you can't access the skills you need as a business owner. For example, to plan and organize, to concentrate and manage focus, to complete tasks, to interact productively with others, to analyze and process information, to manage emotions and behavior, to remember details, to manage time, and to solve problems. None of these skills have the energy needed in order for you to be able to exercise them in your business when you're experiencing scarcity. So... Scarcity's impact on the brain leads to cognitive fatigue and diminished capacity. We call this the bandwidth tax. Your cognitive carrying capacity or your bandwidth is taxed, diminished by the constant demands that result from slack or rather lack of slack, trade-off thinking and opportunity cost. So lack of slack, what is that? When we're experiencing scarcity, there's less slack, there's less wiggle room. You can think of slack like uh, carrying traveling with only a carry-on bag. Holy crap. Let me tell you, in February of 2022, I attempted to travel to Florida with only a carry-on bag. And the cognitive energy that was taken up, like in the two months leading up to my trip to try and figure out what should I take and what shouldn't I take, like I literally, on occasion, had trouble falling asleep because I was so stressed out about this the capacity of my carry-on bag, of anybody's carry-on bag, is small, and you're extremely limited in what you can pack. And the less room there is, the more challenging and stressful it is to pack. You can't just go, oh, I don't have to decide right now. I can just chuck that in uh, so I have it just in case. When you have less slack, there's no room for just-in-case things. And so this image of the suitcase Uh, The small suitcase and the limited room that you have to pack for travel is an analogy that you can take or an image you can take with you when you think of when you have less money. With money, like other resources, when you have slack, when there's more room in the suitcase, the cognitive cost is lower. The thinking is easier. There's less focus. You have to be less vigilant about what you're doing with the limited space. When you're in scarcity, though, you have to think about every little aspect of every decision because you have to make a very little bit go a long way. Trade-off thinking. When you lack slack, when you have little wiggle room, in other words, when scarcity psychology is at play, you have to engage in trade-off thinking. So, for example, when you're packing, it's like, do I take my runners or a curling iron? Uh, When you're in food scarcity, or in scarcity altogether, growing up in poverty, it's do I pay for utilities or rent, rent or food? It's trade-off thinking, one or the other. In business, it's do I pay the hydro or the line of credit? Do I pay myself or my contractors? And you can, I'm sure, just from this discussion, imagine the drain on your mental capacity when you always have to go this or that, this or that. When you're faced, um, every choice you're faced with. There's also the opportunity cost. When resources are scarce, you have to consider this. If I spend my limited liquid cash on this now, what will I be unable to access later? If I spend this cash or use this credit now, what's it going to take away from in the future? What opportunity will be unavailable to me in the future as a result of what I choose to do now? So these three factors, lack of slack, trade-off thinking, and opportunity costs are the causes of bandwidth tax. Then we have temptation tax. Because of the effects of bandwidth tax, we have much less cognitive capacity. The CEO self is compromised, as I said. As a result, we have less self-control and are therefore more likely to succumb to temptation. It's just too hard to make the decision, so you just say, oh, fuck it, and do the thing you're struggling to decide whether you should or shouldn't do. And in, another, in addition, there's another aspect of spending money on goods and services that are tempting. Although the monetary cost is the same, no matter how much access to cash you have, for the person with less money, an item is proportionally more expensive. So for example, you know, for a person who has limited money, proportionally, something might represent to them. 50% of what they have available, whereas for a person with more money, it might be 5 or 10% of what they have available. So because of this kind of disproportionate impact, basics turn into luxuries. And as business owners, this can act as a barrier to growth and to accessing the support we need for us and our businesses to thrive. Tunneling is another impact of scarcity psychology. In tunneling, the mind becomes focused on whatever is scarce to the exclusion of most other issues or tasks, and we focus single-mindedly on managing the scarcity at hand. So when there's a threat, of course, it's appropriate to maintain a sharp focus on what matters most at the moment, but in turn, we can neglect what falls outside of that vision, in other words, outside the tunnel. In the moment, that sharp focus is what's needed, but we need a wider vision over the long term. One example of the tunneling that occurs often in business, not taking time to eat, hello, guilty, because you're working on a deliverable for a client deadline, or not taking the time to do strategic planning because the day-to-day tasks are making you feel pressured to get them done. When you're in the tunnel, the cost of taking time to eat, of taking time to plan, of taking time to work out or to work on a longer-term project like a book, hello, also guilty, is magnified. There's literally less time for your project, your urgent, urgent project now when you spend it on some of the longer-term goals. Tunneling also minimizes the benefits of what you're putting off. Those distant, long-term benefits on your health, on uh, completing your projects, on the growth of your business—they appear much less urgent. And again, in the moment, that's not a problem. But over time, with client deadlines, daily or hourly consistently not eating will undermine your capacity and well-being overall, right? You can see how putting things off and putting things off and putting things off eventually will have a significant impact, even though in the moment, it doesn't seem like it would. So when you're not functioning at capacity, it's hard to run your business well. Tunneling connects to goal inhibition because if the goal sits outside the tunnel, it's ignored. As I've talked about, for example, Uh, your long-term health or long-term big projects like book writing. And this CEO self-skill of inhibitory control stops unhelpful automatic reactions, but you have to have cognitive capacity for this inhibitory control to come into play. This inhibitory control enables us to choose a better, more thought-out response rather than an unhelpful automatic reaction. This thought out response is flexible, creative, and adapted to the situation, whereas the automatic reaction is just what we've always done. And so when we are in scarcity and our body budget is sending energy towards survival issues, the issues that are in the tunnel, so that our brain energy is all focused there, the CEO self is less accessible and we're more likely to engage in automatic habitual behaviors and responses lacking the creativity and flexibility that we need as business owners to solve the problems at hand. Um, the, 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 we become hyper-focused on the minute current concerns and not on the future, so we can't reach our long-term goals, but also the choices we make to address the current concerns that aren't creative and flexible can, in fact, impair or prevent us, impair our long-term goals or prevent have negative long-term Impact or prevent us from reaching our long term goals. Focusing so much on the one thing that appears to matter the most in this moment makes you less able to think about other things you care about. And that's why, when, for example, this is something that happens often for business owners when we're in time scarcity, we don't move our large scale dream business projects forward. So, after all this kind of bad news, although I'm hoping that you feel validated, I'm hoping that you have a sense of, like, oh my God, Well, no wonder I'm doing what I'm doing. It just makes so much sense now. But then the question becomes, how do we work with scarcity psychology so that it doesn't run the show? Mindset and beliefs are psychological imprints and sometimes trauma wounds, not choices. They are the traces left in our bodies, minds, and spirits of the harms or intense stressors we've experienced. In order to have a mindset shift, you need first to see, acknowledge, and heal the things, possibly trauma, that led to your current mindset or beliefs. Scarcity can lead to mental health issues, and it's important to note that, like all fears or threats in childhood, scarcity in childhood can leave a traumatic imprint. If you've tried all the things and they just aren't working, this is where working with a therapist first can make all the difference. In addition to therapy, here are some practices that can support you in addressing scarcity psychology so you can experience some emotional relief and bring your body budget back to your CEO self so that those skills can come back online for you. One of the first things you can dra- try is gratitude practice. But before you roll your eyes, let me tell you it's not what you think. It's not making a gratitude list. <clears throat> Most often, in fact, with gratitude lists, People compile the list of things they think they should be grateful for, like good health, a home, a family, friends, you know, all that, and then beat themselves up for not feeling grateful in the moment. Because of the mind's focus on survival, it has a tendency to be Teflon for good and Velcro for bad. So gratitude practice that actually works involves training your mind your awareness to include the whole of your experience, both good and bad. It's not bringing out good that cancels the bad, and it's not focusing too much on the bad so that you can't see the good. It's about including the whole experience. This widens your view, helps put things into perspective, and helps you experience more of the positive emotions that give you the resources to address the problems and challenges that you face. So as I said, it's not that the positive cancels out or eliminates the negative, but rather that the two are in their proper relationship to one another. Gratitude practice done right helps bring all your um, executive capacities, your CEO self back online and awakens your mind to the good that is all around in balance with what might be missing. Because this kind of gratitude practice is experiential, I've made a recording of a guided gratitude practice that uh, integrates these principles that I've outlined. And there's a link to that in the show notes. And you can give it a try and let me know what you think. Self-kindness is another tool that you can use to help move from scarcity into abundance. And again, before you roll your eyes, it's also not what you think. So self blame when you're shitting on yourself, shit-talking yourself, the body reads that as a threat, just like it reads scarcity as a threat. And when you're in scarcity and you add self-blame or self-criticism, it's even more upsetting, not only emotionally, but also to your nervous system. Now, we understand that scarcity elicits its own ways of thinking and behaving, and that these ways of thinking and behaving are not our fault, because they are our organism's attempt to survive and face the threat. So we can say kind things to ourselves when struggling. You can understand Rather, you can say something to yourself like, scarcity is a safety issue. My brain is feeling threatened, and of course it would when it feels unsafe. Or, no wonder I'm in the tunnel right now. My mind is in scarcity mode. So you can find your your own way of reassuring yourself that it's okay. What's happening is okay, and that there's nothing wrong with you. It's important, though, to note that unequal conditions are real many of us will be facing more intense scarcity than others. Some of us will be facing more actual scarcity than others. And when it's the case that something concrete is going wrong and your physical safety is compromised, it can help us emotionally to remember not to take it on as personal shame, that there's something the matter with us when we're not good in our abundance mentality under these conditions. It's quite important. Um, to validate that this is a normal way of feeling, that it's appropriate even to recognize and acknowledge that we feel fears about survival and whether the threat is real or not, the fear itself is. And so even when you're facing unequal conditions, the very first step is to recognize and validate your fears. This will help you then bring the resources forward to address the issues at hand. It can also help to get curious. Curiosity is an aspect of self-kindness and it alone can sometimes be enough to bring your body budget focus back to your executive skills and the CEO self to get it back online. When you're curious and you notice when scarcity psychology is affecting you in the moment, you can acknowledge it and use supportive self talk phrases like no wonder. So for example, no wonder I'm having trouble focusing on the big picture here. Scarcity psychology is having an impact on me. So curiosity and noticing can cultivate awareness so that when you're experiencing the, fear- city, the effects of scarcity, you can help yourself or ask for support. So I'm just going to list for you the effects of scarcity psychology again. Flipping your lid, bandwidth tax, tunneling, goal inhibition, lack of slack, trade-off thinking, and opportunity cost. And if you don't remember what these are or what I said about them, you can get a recap in the show notes or just listen to this podcast again. And the ways that I've mentioned about working with a scarcity mindset or scarcity psychology to help you include therapy, gratitude, self-kindness, and getting curious. When you're experiencing scarcity, you can always come back to soothing the nervous system first, and then ask for help or support to get grounded and curious so you can figure out what's going on and address it. This podcast is brought to you by my self-guided virtual retreat. Create your customized mental and emotional wellness plan to keep your CEO self in the driver's seat so you don't flip your lid and blow up your business when the crap hits the fan. As you know, running a business can run down your mental health. And as whole humans who own small businesses, a mental health plan should be part of our business strategies. And so you can boost your business with a mental health plan. I have a self-guided mental health plan workshop that's available for $99 USD that includes a workshop recording, an enhanced transcript and worksheets to go along with it. The link is entrepreneurstherapist.click. Slash MH plan. And the link is also in the description and the show notes. So, thank you so much for listening to the Entrepreneur's Therapist podcast. I'm Shulamit Barelev Toe. Please share this podcast with friends you think need to hear this. And please also subscribe to the podcast and rate and review it. That helps this podcast reach more stressed out entrepreneurs who need support, validation, and tools to help them care for their mental and emotional well being as, re- as they run their businesses. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next time.